and going. Okay, we're going. Hopefully the sound is good. I think so. We... Okay, here we are. We're in a secret location in rural Alberta in the heart of Western Canada. And we're here to talk about really interesting things in uh, the world of uh, politics. But uh, amazingly, the world is so crazy because of all the things that are going on. It might be illegal for us to be together right now. Because Definitely is. social gatherings are illegal. It is illegal for two people who are healthy who don't live together to be hanging out in the same house. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the upside down world we're in of uh, virus totalitarianism. But we have a lot of interesting things to talk about. Don't we? Uh, Alberta politics. Yeah. So uh, Kenny, Kenny killed two, uh, two of his members. I did, have they declared whether they're going to run, be independent, whether they're stepping out of the party or they're joining another party? So it was Barnes and I can remember, never remember his name. Okay, so uh, we have uh, some context required perhaps. But yes, there have been two MLAs booted from the ruling UCP party of uh, the Alberta government. And that was Todd Lowen. And Drew Barnes. And that was by popular vote, wasn't it? It was by some kind of vote that was held during an emergency caucus meeting. Um, apparently, the vote was done over text message or something. <laughs> and what? Yeah, apparently it was a, a vote. Like, one, one of Kenny's loyalists took the votes by text message. Um, and some people wanted, like, a... Yeah, what, make like a, a secret ballot or whatever. Well, some and kind of record. So somebody, I guess, uh, didn't want secret ballots. So who knows what the ultimate, uh, like who voted for what? Nobody will ever know. But anyway, I asked, those two were kicked out. I asked all our friends and they texted me and they said they don't like you anymore. You got to go. We, uh, this is all very interesting because... Um, the Alberta government is extremely unpopular right now. Uh, the leader, Premier Kenny, is the least popular premier in the country. Uh, basically, his is, enemies hate him. Is he behind his, Legault? Is he actually behind Legault? He's the worst. He's the lowest. So somebody who told people they can't leave their house after 8 p.m. is more popular than him? Yes, and the reason is because some people will cheer for their team no matter how bad it is, but Alberta is unique. They will dump your ass. They will turn against their own party in a second if you sell them out. And I think that's the secret to uh, Kenny's uh, disastrous situation. He is extremely unpopular. Extremely unpopular with his own party. So... Uh, that's not good. And of course, the broad context behind the two MLAs being kicked out of the party, which is a pretty interesting situation. It's kind of a big deal. Um, first, uh, there's Drew Barnes. He was kicked out. He's been kind of uh, picking at Kenny, um, saying he's not doing enough unfair deal stuff, staying he's, uh, his lockdown policies are unjustified or uh, problematic. And then there's Todd Lowen. Todd Lowen uh, was one of the MLAs who signed the 
letter of 16 or 17 mostly rural MLAs uh, saying the lockdowns were terrible, the policies were bad, uh, they didn't make much sense. So that's basically a quarter of Kenny's party um, dunking on his policies. Um, you've got all 10 plus or minus, I think, constituency associations that have called for his immediate uh, leadership review or resignation because they hate him so much. And basically, he's pandering to leftist, urban, neurotic lockdown fanatics who are terrified of the virus, or at least pretending they are because they know it's so politically bad for their enemies. Kenny keeps locking down harder and harder and harder, supposedly to please the left where this criticism is coming from, and the right hates it, which is supposed to be his team. So. New base. New base, yeah, maybe he needs a new base. But anyway, people haven't been happy about it. So Kenny booted out Todd Lowen, who basically, again, was one of the MLAs on the letter. Um... He wrote a letter a little while back calling for Kenny's immediate resignation. <laughs> and he's uh he was the chairman of the caucus, so he's not he's kind of like semi-important to think somebody has to put him in that position. Um so that doesn't look good. The chairman of your caucus says you the leader has to resign. So he got kicked out. Drew Barnes got kicked out. That's two people kicked out. It's very, very interesting. And of course. There's been a very interesting development lately with the uh, basically complete desperate grab for popularity with Kenny's uh, reopening plan that's just been released. So it's all very, very interesting. And I know that was a long preamble. I need to shut up. Uh, what well, do you think? Uh, well, you mentioned uh, uh, Notley's ba- like... Uh, uh, walking into a wall on that um like even the moderate people that weren't really super interested in the lockdown are like i think politically alberta is all about calgary the rurals hate the ndp they'll never slide back that way again edmonton is pure ndp it's a non-issue unions and uh calgary is kind of like the swing so yeah um notley saying this 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 reopening plans too aggressive it's clearly all about the stampede uh definitely it's not a good look so yeah people have been watching the u.s open up they've seen these new plans from different canadian provincial governments reopening plans supposedly they're just horrible so premier kenny i think makes this move where he unleashes the you know it's got some issues but uh in comparison it's the fastest reopening plan um so you know that's kind of nice relatively speaking for someone who doesn't like the lockdowns and wants them to end it's not so nice for the lockdown fanatics who love the lockdowns whether it's for political reasons or just because they're hysterical notley of course is a lockdown fanatic so of course when this plan this safe but fast plan or you know the fastest in Canada when this plan comes out Notley of course of course gets up and says well this is too fast this is not safe uh yes we don't like the lockdowns but somebody might get sick the herald the herald people are done with it 
the Herald has turned on Hinshaw. What happened? Uh, so I was just I was trying to find that infographic for the stages for the reopening. Uh, and one of the articles is specifically. Uh, so for Hinshaw, uh, she goes, this plan will work. Hins Hinshaw says medical experts support reopening strategy. So there's always been a, a mystery as to whether she's the dog or the tail. And um, like it, it seems like sometimes Kenny comes out and he goes like, this is how it is. Of course, he, you know, it's a bit of a meme that he shows up 20 minutes late because he's finishing a fucking burger or something. And uh, it was always like, well, we don't know whether Hinshaw's instructing or whether Kenny's instructing or whether it's some kind of... We just don't know who's really in charge here. Like, nobody believes Shandros is doing shit. No, I think... Right? But, um, like, who's... Uh, so, who is saying... It's probably Kenny that came up with this plan, but I find it interesting that Hinshaw wouldn't immediately kind of... She does seem like a good soldier. I will say that. Uh, okay, so I think what happened is... So she said something at the press conference the other day. Dina Hinshaw, chief medical officer, chief medical crank of Alberta, uh, chief medical quack, Dina Hinshaw, um, <laughs> one of the new priestly uh, high priest ladies of the... Uh, covid cult um highest level health bureaucrat in the province indeed the question is she the one in charge or is it uh, kenny calling the shots like where's the main influence of all this trash coming from dina hinshaw said something in the press conference the other day that um they accepted the draft i submitted with few changes so that's with regard to the opening plan Okay, so this is so, her idea. I'm not saying it's her idea. I'm saying she submitted a draft, but you know we don't know who tells her what to put in the draft or who encourages, right? I think what is very likely is they've basically been able to come up with any cheap justification uh, for whatever they've done all along. So they're just basically going in the other direction now. Now, I don't know... I think it's kind of like a interrelated thing, like, um, but ultimately the bureaucracy here is, um, I think they're basically being told like, sorry, this has got to happen. So they need Dina Hincha to kind of play along. And I think, uh, but what about the second doses? I, I find this the most they interesting. Don't, they this don't is, care about the second doses. Like no one cares anymore. The yeah, they they've been, but like here in Alberta, apparently, but they're still using it as a metric in the states. They're using it as a metric in uh, other provinces. They're using it as a metric federally. Um, yeah, well, we're at like third world levels, um, on par with most African countries, and. Uh, all the opening plans are basically related to hospitalization numbers and vaccination rates for the single dose. So whatever, as long as you can't say that because all the uh, Canadian press was all over the, all over themselves about uh, the rate of vaccination. Oh, we're doing so good. 
check out how great we are after having to beg, borrow, and steal fucking doses. After everybody else gets vaccinated, then it's Canada's turn. Look at how good we're doing. Um, I, I don't, I don't really follow exactly, but they there like, was a bunch of celebration by the Canadian media that the rate of vaccination in Canada was all of a sudden the best. Just, uh, the amount of people that got the first dose, they're like, man, no one gets first doses better than us. Yeah, well, they, the greatest the, the the need for Canadians to be smug about something is getting <laughs> was getting like really desperate. Yeah, and I, we got to be better than the U.S. at something. Yeah, so they had to latch onto something. So that's probably it. That's the only thing they're better at. The economy's worse than everywhere else. The unemployment's worse than everywhere else. We've printed and spent the most money relative to the size of our economy versus anywhere else, and got the worst results. The it's just a joke. Like it's hilarious. It's Canada is a laughing stock. GDP is a made up number, anyways. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, you can use it in some ways for <laughs> like, comparison. Look, the GDP is just a reference number. We don't. It's not tied to hundreds of thousands of equations every day. It's not really an interesting debate, perhaps for the moment, but it's not completely useless you are, just have to understand its limitations are you staying on top of the m m0 and m1 numbers for the currency uh no not really no? it's it's extreme so here's the here's the here's the plan so uh 60% stage 1 june 1st so 50% first dose uh stage 2 mid june 60% Stage three, early July, 70% for first doses. Yeah. So everybody just, so they come out with another goddamn hashtag. Uh, so, because they couldn't use a uh, stop this, uh, was it stop the, stop spark? the spike? Stop the spike. They couldn't say flatten the curve anymore. For, uh, so they had to go with stop the spike and now it's hashtag open for summer. This is the Alberta plan we're talking about. Yeah. This, Whoever did this infographic is nice. Like, this is nice. Clearly, they, they hired someone. Well, it's badly written. It's unclear. It's obviously the output of no, bureaucrats. The, the layout it's of the trash. graphic is nice, I will say. Uh, that's the easy part. Have you tried reading it? No. It's confusing as hell. I only, but I don't think, I, like, all the in-between stuff is totally arbitrary and yeah. stupid. All that matters is they just needed something, some bridge from A to B. It didn't even matter what was in it as long as there was some form of like progress towards opening. Um, like you can't justify any of that stuff point by point because uh, it's it's all dumb. Yeah. But the point is, uh, interestingly, in Alberta, supposedly lockdowns are supposed to end entirely. Basically, all these ridiculous public health restrictions, these cruel inhumane health restrictions quote health restrictions unquote um it's supposed to end in alberta so it's supposed it's it's kind of like it's like when texas opened there's there's this metaphysical connection between texas and alberta right um i don't know how you want to describe it but there's a certain relationship there yeah and so we will be even though canada's way worse Overall, we will be, relatively speaking, the Texas of Canada in terms of ending lockdowns 
so that's kind of nice. Now, that's an interesting thing politically because that appears to be a total reversal of Kenny's previous uh, plans or ideas about what's best. Um, he's been basically scolding us for months. Um, and now all of a sudden, instead of being like just one step away from the red zone and all the hospitals collapse and everyone dies, now it's like full speed ahead. Now this is a, this is smart politically and he had to do it because he's, his party's falling apart. Uh, his big coalition's falling apart. His federal ambitions are going down the toilet if he can't even keep one term against Rachel Notley in the NDP. And again, he is the most unpopular premier in the province. He is screwed. He had to do something to make people kind of forgive and forget, basically, because they, they are pissed. They won't. I don't think they will either. It doesn't seem like they will. I think I think in theory he could pull a rabbit out of the hat. I'm not exactly sure. I have some ideas. But Albertans are quick to anger and slow to forgive. You're, you're start, I should say... You're, you're starting to sound like that shitty uh, English professor. It's the... Um, From UFC. It's the Alberta right wing um, is is a tough beast to tame. Yeah. Well, May was hard. Like this the been, month of May. Yeah. It's been a hard month. It's been brutal. I've, uh, I've been cynical and, uh, just clown world about the whole thing. And, um, this past lockdown was, uh, I don't know, it was a bit it was a bit too much. Um Yeah, it was. Like it's it's been like, like soul crushing. Yeah, demoralized stuff. Demoralizing. And it's amazing when people say, like, oh, it's not that big a deal. Ho ho, you just have to stay home for a little bit. Ho ho ho. And no, it's like they're the contraction of people's worlds, like their social worlds and their their lives has been so severe. It's just amazing that some people have been so blase about it, but it was depressing. And um, it's just been like for the last couple months, it's been an increasing, uh, or pardon me, the last few weeks, like the month of May, has been an increasing an assault of just like petty, ridiculous, stupid, uh, punitive things, just slapping weird regulations on people yeah it's demoralizing it's hey, horrible uh do you see that jagmeet singh had to come out and apologize for hugging someone and hugged public? his bro yeah he hugged his bro the the fucking audacity this it's I, insane people are gonna come back and listen to shit like this and read these stories and They'd be like, oh, a politician had to uh, had to apologize because he hugged a dude because it was his bro, but there was like a, a virus. And I, people will think, and rightly so, they'll think the world went totally insane. I think it's because he said people who uh, flout COVID restrictions are right-wing conspiracies. Oh, that's the best part. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah a few yeah. days or a week or so before it was pretty funny so yeah he says uh yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the only people who are who are against lockdowns and going to anti-lockdown protests, that's just like covert, uh, like white supremacy or like racist. No, that's like what racist that, protests disguised as like protests for freedom. The term is thinly veiled and that's attributed to Nenshi. Thinly veiled. Yeah. Thinly well, Nenshi veiled. said the same thing like yeah. a few days before, yeah. right around that time. So, yeah. So, so I guess, oh. What what do you really think about uh, the marginalized Mr. Jagmeat? You're like, oh, they're all, they're garbage. Spit on them. Did you notice how no one calls uh, Jagmeat like by his last name? Like the way we'd say Trudeau or Kenny or Ford or Biden or Trump or like, so there's no, Hillary. No, actually shit, there's I never Hillary. noticed that. So we say Hillary. Yeah. And we say um, Jagmeat, like, so <laughs> As two what is it with some politicians yeah. where you only use their first name? Like, why don't we call, why don't we call Prime Minister Triple Blackface some, Justin? Some people call him Justin because it's, or it's very, Cuxton it's, Trudeau. It, it's Cuxton Trudeau. <laughs> That's the sickest story ever. Um. Yeah, the reason uh, the Cuxton Trudeau story comes from uh, a, a brief glimmer of hope we had, I think, about three years ago. It was at a buddy's wedding, and uh, it was a, a girl that uh, we knew, and she had told us this story about her little brother who was 17, uh, who insisted on calling Justin Trudeau Cuxton Trudeau. Yeah, that was what they, like him and his friends in high school would like say about justin trudeau that was like kind of their I've, high school joke i've never i've never had more faith in the younger generation i thought that was pretty funny it was amazing we were talking about words that we used to say when we were uh in high school that like you know like what what's a popular word used as an insult for somebody yeah and obviously the words have changed and so we asked this girl about like her younger brother yeah Cuxton Trudeau. <laughs> Some 17 year old. Oh, just gotcha. clever. Uh, so, Jagmeet having to apologize for not wearing a mask. It's the same thing. And getting too close to somebody. It's his brother's assistant, apparently. Uh, yeah. It's his brother's assistant, who's also his bro, I guess. You know, uh, he's got his own little uh, entourage. Maybe. But. Like the horror, the horror. Yeah, and, and I don't know. It's it's funny that the same action that is appropriate to reingratiate yourself with the public, the the apology, the I'm sorry, is for basically ignoring COVID rules. Like, hug at my bro. Is the same course of action for someone who did blackface three times. <laughs> It's so stupid. I'm sorry. It's, it's okay just though. It's painful. Yeah. I can't believe. I don't like yeah, if he hadn't been beacon off then it probably wouldn't be in a problem. See, I mean and it's it's so dumb. Like so there's been these like during this whole lockdown stuff, there's been a lot of these like travel scandals 
where politicians and bureaucrats and stuff are like, nobody should travel. And then they turn up on a beach in like a different country, like <laughs> posting on Instagram like, and stuff. Like, like uh, they started giving cruise shit because uh, they were having a blizzard down there. And he's like in Mexico and he's yeah. like, see you later. Or, yeah. Or, uh, or, you know, these governors like all the restaurants need to shut down. They're far too dangerous. And then they're, they turn up having these like private parties with like 12 of their friends, like renting out a restaurant for themselves. Oh yeah. And it's like, Oh, it was a lapse in judgment. So there's been this. Yeah. And then like the Jag meat one is like peak absurdity. Cause yeah, I mean, so innocent. So he hugged his bro. Yeah, um, come on now. Oh, and, but, but he had he but had no that's, mask. That's on. the thing with these lockdown no fanatics. Mask. These lockdown fanatics have been backed into this corner, and it, it's it's like this religious quality. It's like, oh, oh, did you see what he did? Oh my god! Uh, it's it, it's part of the hysteria. It's part of the um, the weird religious overtones of this whole panic. Would you say that Jag meets a hero for normalizing hugging your friends? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> is he sta- Lots of people do is that. he standing up against hate? No, because he didn't stand up for it. Oh, he he's like I should. I apologize. I should never have done it. I had a human moment. Maybe he's uh, just still still in the closet about. Um, and it's not a good environment for him to come out and just say that he's a regular person. Well, that's what he said. Like I I had a I had a moment of weakness. Like you're. Mo- I, I just can't believe we're having this conversation. Uh, it is so stupid. Uh, the scandal is that literally what it boils down to is a politician who don't get me wrong. This politician is a piece of trash, but the scandal is literally that he touched a person and it's not like a sexual harassment. It's not like, it's not like a sexual harassment scandal hug. It's like he hugged his bro, like the way some bros might hug each other. And they didn't have a mask on. So they violated one of the sacraments of COVID cult, which is face coverings. And then they violated the other sacrament, which is keeping your distance. Um, And so they committed uh, a crime against the COVID cult and they had to uh, apologize or uh, Jagmeet did. And it's insane. I cannot believe what we're even talking about. You couldn't make this shit up. So these are the scandals. So now back to Alberta politics, you know, they have their scandals. They had all those MLAs go traveling when, when traveling was recommended against. And, um, do people want to live that way? Like, don't, don't these, don't these lockdown fanatics like want a way out just as much as anyone else does, or are they that dedicated to, this as an expression of their political identity. I guess I'm not even talking about Alberta. No, I I think just broadly speaking, not a, not applicable. What is going on with these people? And the issue is the perceived hypocrisy. But why, like, how do you get out of it? So obviously they don't care. They don't want to get out of it. it, uh, To me, it's like, it's like when you've trapped yourself in this web of lies so thick, it's harder and harder and harder to get out. Um, you know, to cover up for one lie, you have to pile another one on top of it and so on and so forth instead of just coming clean. And I feel like it's like that with this. They've, they've committed themselves to the lie and they're so deep in it. How do they get out? And it's easier for people who I guess would lean towards the anti lockdown approach. Um, obviously, but 
the lockdown fanatic is a very interesting and terrifying person that they would drive this weird satisfaction from all of this. And it's amazing that anyone, like I said, would want to live like that. Oh, virtue's a hell of a drug, dude. I wear the mask for you. Yeah, that's what it is. People people love to be like it, it's it's like the worst moral grandstanding I've ever seen. Well, and you, it's over like you you show how much you care about people by hiding your face from them. You show how much you care for people by staying away from them. It's it's literally like it's like literally the religion of the Antichrist. And I don't say that like, <laughs> I mean, um, it's like the most inverted idea of goodness that I can think of it. It is so perverse and insane. It's, it's like saying it's uh, so baffling to me. I, I, I can't wrap my head around Jesus it. hung out with the lepers, but it was from across the street. He just kind of thought about them. And he said, in look, I'm I'm hanging out with lepers, but like they're I, they're in I can see them. I keep six feet away from them. And I don't I, I scold them, but you know, I'm still hanging out with lepers. No, he'd like touch them and stuff. Oh, he would? Yeah, I think so. Wasn't he worried about getting leprosy? Uh, I don't think <laughs> that might not have been a concern. But so, but what do you think about this religious thing? So like this religious fanatical mentality, and it's not just, it's the most extreme with the virus hysteria, but it's not the only place we see it. We also see it with the like apocalyptic climate change stuff. Um, and we see it with uh, this social justice stuff too. What, what do you think, what are your thoughts on kind of this th- this I, religious aspect to these things. Um, we're perceiving it as religious because it's the only analog that we have in the same kind of context. It's pure in-group, out-group. Um, it's not fashionable to hate the Krauts. Oh, hang on, hang on. I. So that's hilarious. In-group, out-group. Pardon the interruption, but I don't know if you've seen this, but you'll like this. Um, so online... There was there was these like, uh, you know, kind of lefty liberals um, talking about how there was no uh, mask requirements in their state anymore, but they were afraid to not wear the mask because they thought somebody other people might think they were Trump supporters. Yeah. So, yeah, there's this this signaling thing, like the way leftists use like their language and things to kind of indicate to each other that they they know what's up like um uh, you know what that makes me think of ronald reagan when he used the uh, thousand points of light reference remember that no it's a christian thing you wouldn't get it i don't know <laughs> no he, he worked that thousand points of light thing into a speech that he had which was nowadays they call it a dog whistle well the right has it's kind of like in in group language too but the left uh has this i don't know i guess bigger obsession with it and they're always evolving things like the word that was once 
the new word that was more appropriate becomes the offensive word that's replaced by a new word. And to show that you're like cutting edge and in the right group and you know, you know the right stuff, you use the new language. So like um, cisgender and my pronouns are he, him and like stuff like that. Um, so the language thing um yeah it's it's like the signaling thing with the, these people obsessed the mask was the expression of their political identity it was the way to show which which tribe they were into other people and they didn't want to be misidentified yeah so i in I, group out group like you were saying so yeah, so that I, was a sidebar keep going yeah no no it's the same because the america is weird because your party's your religion even though it's 30% don't have that religion, right? So it's kind of 30, 30, 30, mm -hmm. I think. So um, I I think there's plenty of Republicans who uh, even for the past year have been like, well, I think it's pretty reasonable to take these steps. It's not that obtrusive. And I don't want to have a goddamn conversation every time I have to go to the fucking store. Okay. It's not worth going to the mat over. So I'll, wear, I'll do whatever. Uh, and then at some point it just became too much and they, uh, it's, it's when tr I'd say it's when Trump lost, um, that they just, they said, okay, that's enough. Like the, the foul <laughs> correction, the Genesis is Fauci. So, uh, so Trump gets up there. He, he says, you know what? Uh, I'm not in charge of it. Uh, Pence is going to fucking run this ball. Okay. He's QB. Everything goes through him. Operation Warp Speed. I'm going to give all these drug companies a bunch of fucking money. And they're going to get you your cure. By the way, there's this thing called hydroxychloroquine. Everyone goes nuts. Nobody's allowed to do studies. Nobody says shit. The word ivermectin was not in a single headline for six months. So, but they did talk about hydroxychloroquine and uh, it's because Trump mentioned it. So a lot of studies have to come out and talk about what a piece of shit it is, how it doesn't work. Meanwhile, he was treated with it. From what I understand, I, I think that's what he was treated with. And uh, we didn't talk about treatments. We only talked about vaccines and cures. And that's why, so patron Saint Fauci gets anointed somewhere in September, August. Because before that, they got footage, like they got pictures of, or like tweets or footage of him saying like, look, masks don't work. Come summertime, masks are very important. Stay home, stay safe, yada, yada. Fauci becomes the new patron saint of the left they all so, but it's back to the religious language again it's not just like an in-group out-group it's unless it, you're tying that to it's the same the it's the, that's why i said i don't see it like i'm saying it's the lens that we're viewing the same mechanism from religion politics is just in and out us and them but mm, okay maybe but but so that's a broader thing, but the religious aspect, like think of, um, 
So, you know, you've got your blasphemy against your priestly class, like St. Fauci. You can't speak out against him. You've got, um, you know, your sacraments, like you get anointed with sanitizer. You get uh, <laughs> baptized by the vaccine. Yeah. Um, you have to hunt down heretics. Um, you have to have your face coverings, Go, wear the right clothes. Going on Twitter, talking shit um, on Facebook is your, the, you it's know, your good works. There's the day of judgment when the people, <laughs> uh, will reach immunity and be saved and like yeah. the paradise when you can finally go outside again. Yeah. And, um, so, so I think I'm trying to call attention, I guess, to the more specific, and maybe I'm not describing it properly, but it seems to have, and again, there's the parallel with the climate change stuff and there's the parallel with the social justice stuff. Like remember, like St. George Floyd, like um, social justice has its own like languages and uh, sacraments and blasphemies and priestly class and um, day of judgment, like the uh, reckoning when we finally come to terms with our... Uh, bigotry and when you come um, face to face with race yeah when you the the that's judgment day? end of days is when you come <laughs> finally come face to face we finally come to terms with it that's what, oh. what what we say um we need to come to terms with it so that's some magical event in the distant future the end of history i guess um and then there's like the climate change which again very similar so i'm trying to call attention to I guess something a little more specific, um, and that's why I thought it was interesting that even um, even though you were trying to draw like a broader picture, uh, you couldn't help but go in the direction of describing Fauci with like this sainthood status yeah. that's been given to him by his uh, his team. I, I yeah, it's still just. I've only ever seen this as a as a way to reinforce my absolute fucking disgust for the people that aren't on my team. That's well, all yeah. I've all I've ever seen this as. No kidding, because like I don't think I've ever been more disgusted with people than I am with lockdown fanatics, and vice versa. Yeah, the people who love lockdowns, they hate. Well, think Jagmeet's calling them racists. He's saying it's like thinly veiled white supremacists. They're saying that you hate people. You don't care about people. You just want to go out and eat a burger and everyone can die for all you care. And I mean, to some degree, there's just some uh, pure ignorance behind it because like apparently like 50% or apparently uh, most people like kind of under 40 think that you've if you get it you've got a 50 percent chance of winding up in the hospital which is <laughs> yeah insanely wrong but people are misinformed about the danger but still like the the pro lockdown side hates people who hate the restrictions the way the anti-lockdown people hate the lockdown fanatics um you brought something up there that probably that touches on my main theme um are, are are you gonna get the vaccine ever? Uh, no, I've had the virus, and I feel like I've got many years of immunity as a result. Okay. Um. I have a I have another friend who uh, tested positive for COVID. He uh he got fucked up 
he he lost his sense of taste. Yeah, uh, my my wife was a little sicker than I was. Um, and the only other people I know, one guy said basically minor cold for a few days, which was even worse than I had. And then another friend, uh, who lives in France now, but he's from Canada. Um, he, he has some other health issues, I guess you could say. And I guess he was sick for like three weeks, pretty sick, but, um, those are my only anecdotes. Cause I, I remember back in September, October. I couldn't find anyone that I knew that knew anyone. That's a pretty, that's. No, that's almost everybody. Well, that's 125 squared. You know what I mean? Like that's. It's quite that's, a few. That's a double monkey sphere, right? Um, the So now I know multiple people. Um, and, and most people who could have had a cold, like you probably had a cold. I uh, got another buddy who probably had a cold. Uh, but no, You're saying I, one guy got messed up. Yeah, he got messed up. But here's what's interesting. He went and got his Moderna shot. He got another shot and it fucked him up for like three days. Like, yeah, I, I don't want I, I think the risk is maybe low. Like, I don't really know too much about the vaccines, but I definitely don't want one because I feel like I have no need whatsoever for it at this point. It's uh, so, yeah, James Lindsay, new discourses. He uh, did a bit uh, on that and he said, look, it's it's just you got to make it a value prop. Like, it's just not there for me. You've lost all trust. Uh, we don't have long term safety. My doctor thinks X. Yada, well, especially yada. they're they're like, it's now. Oh, Alberta, Alberta a little while back said, oh yeah, now it's good for 12 and up. And like, yeah, the value judgment there, the risk for children is basically zero, zero people under the age of 20 died in Canada in 2020. I think there's like one now or maybe two. I, I think there, it's only I one. I thought there was two, one in Ontario, one here. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Actually, I think it's two, but that's two in the whole 15 months of this mess. And but two, so in 12 but, year olds, like, why do, but there's also would, two stories. We had somebody fucking die of a hemorrhage, uh, here in Alberta. Uh, they got, I don't know about that one. Okay. So she got her shot a couple days later, um, has a, a pain in her stomach. She goes to the hospital. She says, I have a pain in my stomach. They go, that's not a symptom. Go home or she died. So it's not on the symptoms list. And and uh, so, yeah, it was a, a blood clot or, or something else. So they're like, oh, it's extremely, extremely rare. And it's like, okay, if you know it's a thing, then why wasn't she admitted? So that bugs me. Public was, healthcare, man, at its best. Some guy in BC had, what, seven feet of his fucking intestines removed because of uh, blood clots. He he was lucky. He made it, and they uh, they attribute that to the vaccine. So there's well, so all the vaccines have some risks. Um, probably pretty low overall for these ones. I think the jury's out in some ways. We don't know, but um, if you're like your risk of having a serious issue related to this virus is so low, so it doesn't seem worth it to me uh, unless you're. You know, I don't know. Let's, really, 
so let's let's get into the real value prop. So you have um you you have the the cudgel which is uh will let you see your friends again if you get vaccinated. Yeah, that's coercive. You have the carrot that uh in California if you get the vaccine uh you're entered into a lottery. Well, just, for to million be, dollars. just to be clear, there's this broad Canadian messaging that's happening right now that like you want your freedoms back, get the vaccine. I didn't see as much of that in the States. Um, maybe they've had it uh, or maybe that's just kind of the new trend now. But um, state yeah, by state. like you were saying, uh, that's the thing. And you said that's. Uh, I so, don't know. Yeah, that, no one's no one in Canada is offering me a million dollars to to get this. Oh yeah, so here it's like uh, it's interesting. We we don't have a mandatory vaccine law, but we'll turn the entire province, your cities, your communities into open air prisons, basically. Maybe not even that, because in some places you're not even allowed to leave. But <laughs> the um, uh, the blocked off road in Halifax, block yeah, or like curfews, yeah, curfews, just insane. Um, Canada has been like some of the worst in the world on some of this stuff, but yeah. So what you're saying about the, um, so it, on a you can have your freedom back if you get vaccinated. Okay, Sorry, so, I totally interrupted. So the next part of the value prop is the, the value I, prop. Yeah. Yeah. Is that you have a social responsibility just like you owed it to the rest of us to wear a mask. You owe it to the rest of us and the, what, uh, nine to 13% of people who either choose not to or cannot take a vaccine. You owe it to them. That's interesting. To get vaccinated. I don't even, uh, I might be wrong about this, but I think even that has kind of changed. Like the social responsibility part. Like if you think about Alberta. Um, I was thinking initially of Saskatchewan, where the premier's like uh, um, pretty direct appeal, and it's kind of like you want your freedoms back, you get the vaccine. In Alberta, I th- I'm I'm pretty sure it's been similar, but just a few weeks ago, it was the social responsibility thing. Ho- like, Hogan uh, Hogan called everybody under take care 20- of people, like do the right thing. Um, rodeos are about friendship and uh (laughs) loving one another and you're putting us all at risk yeah you're putting us all at risk your actions are foolish and self-centered all the sacrifices your neighbors are making yeah you're throwing it all away so it it has become a more direct appeal to self-interest in a way even though it's kind of obviously tied into everything anyway back to your value proposition i keep interrupting i'm rude okay so the so like there's the individual kind of value prop, like will it help me? Will it not? And what are the odds? Yada, yada. Uh, who's telling me to do it and why? But the, the why is interesting because um, these people feel compelled to tell me what I have a responsibility for. I have the Canadian government, elected officials, my peer groups, and, and just the what appears to be the opinion of the random person on the street telling me I have a responsibility to them or to these uh, or to other members of society that I don't interact with. Um, like, I don't I don't know anyone over fucking 70. 
I just don't. Uh, I don't interact with anyone over 70. You should go help some widows. Yeah. So they're like, oh, but you could give it to someone who's fully vaccinated who can still give it to someone else. Which doesn't... It's a dumb argument. We'll, we'll avoid that. But I, I, what has kind of evolved out of this for me is the utilization or the concept of social responsibility. Just like you had to wear the mask. Just like you have to get the vaccine. I don't wear the mask to protect me. I wear the mask to protect you. Yeah. No one no one cared until I took off the mask. Which doesn't make sense anyway. Like, even... I'm not even going to go down that No. Way. Like, so, who else do I have a responsibility for? Like, so there's the legal kind of... Don't you think you're good enough to figure out who you're responsible for and how you should adjust your behavior accordingly without having a patronizing dickhead in a public health bureaucracy or in uh, the government telling you what you should be responsible for and tearing your life apart because uh, it's the only way to make you responsible for other people? So then as part of that, that kind of... Uh, you know, it's a vaccine it, uh, or it's a treatment, it's a gene therapy uh, that um, might do this or might do that, has no long-term uh, kind of study. It's it's an emergency. It's very important you get this. You have a responsibility to take risks with your life and your health for other people. Do you think that's interesting? Like, do you, you must gamble. You must roll those dice and then go, oh, it's very, very, very unlikely that you'll fucking die. If you develop a, a problem, uh, it's pretty likely that you will fucking die because you're in the Canadian healthcare system. <laughs> but you have a responsibility to gamble with your life and your health for the good of us all. I'm pretty sure that doesn't fall under any legal concept of duty of care. So uh, it's, no, it's not a legal... Especially when you're talking about something that is kind of beyond our control in a lot of ways. Like, I, we kind of talked about this before. Like, if you're going out into a public place, um, you are kind of like signing a waiver so to speak that you're voluntarily exposing yourself to potential pathogens that might attach to you and no one has any control over that most of the time um yeah if some person ridden with disease like runs up to you holds you down and like spits in your mouth um that's one thing but a person who's um maybe carrying something that they might transfer to somebody else. And if they get it, they might get sick. And if they get sick, which they might not, something bad might happen to them. Um, yeah, it's, it's that's still the aggregate number. I, I like. But I, it's like that's it's I, no one's normal life is kind of like that. And it's weird that um, underlying what you're talking about like this coercive uh issue of telling people what their responsibilities are especially when it's like 
kind of sensitive issue of the body and the health like that. Yeah, the next question is like, do I owe that to the people at large? No, but it's a fundamental difference, but it's been kind of going on because public schools have been kind of talking about that. Like, oh, should should what about these anti-vax parents who send their kids to the public schools should we have uh, mandatory vaccines in in alberta dialogue's been kind of in the background for a long time depending on the place you're talking about based on the last set of numbers that i saw it was only nine percent nine to thirteen percent it's not popular here but uh it depends where you go like um there's a lot of orthodox i don't know what there's a lot of uh like most of the stories i've heard about have been in california to be to tell you the I, truth. I was thinking of uh, New York. Uh, but what it, do heterites, will they get the vax? Uh, probably not. No? I, I don't know. Do I shouldn't you, speak for somebody like that. Yeah, I don't know any. I got no I got no Jacobs or Ezekiel in my fucking I'm, contact My list. intuition says, if you kind of correlate the different things, limited though they are about them that we, are, that we know. Um... I would tend to guess they don't want the vaccines. Okay. So do I owe this risk to people at large, like Canada? Do I owe it to the people of Alberta or do I owe it to the the people of, of Calgary? Do I owe it to humanity itself? Like who do I have this duty of care to that, that they imagine? Um, well, this is one of the biggest questions of political philosophy and moral philosophy for that matter uh what do we owe other people i don't know uh that's a pretty heavy question for uh but i i think that's at the core of of their argument for someone who is fairly uh skeptical about the way this is going down i have no trust in the health authorities i have no trust in government officials I have no trust in the media. Good. So when they have that, that kind of like zero trust to have someone come and beat me over the head with like, this is your responsibility. I'm your moral and intellectual superior. Yeah. Like who I decide what your responsibilities are. Do I owe it to future generations? Do I owe it to my ancestors? Do I have to go join the military right now? Well, there's really no Don't cutoff I, point. Once you go beyond uh, private property ethics, I think there's no cutoff point. I, I think you owe it to me and the people of your community to get uh, on this boat and go kill our enemies. Maybe. They're going to hurt us. Maybe. you. I think that's an easy... That's an argument I can understand. You know, like... Oh, they're they're gonna. We gotta fight them over there. You know what I mean? Like I, I just. I would like to know who I owe this risk to. I can't get any answers other than saying. They're just go like, oh well, you know, to people who can't get the vaccine. That's the closest. Like you owe it to these people who can't get the vaccine. You have a duty of care to them, and I don't know if I do. No, you don't. It's a bad moral argument. It's trash. It's the whole moral case behind uh, we can keep you in prison. Uh, we can. You're an innocent person. We can basically keep you in prison until you put something in your body because somebody might uh, get hurt um, 
or might get sick. Uh, there's no moral justification for that at all. So what would it, what would it take for you to get the vaccine? Uh, the risk profile factoring into the value judgment would have to be substantially different. I would have to have more confidence that the vaccine would not have a negative effect. I would have to have less confidence in my own ability to survive the virus, which means I would have to think the virus is much more dangerous than the current virus we're dealing with. So, you know, if there's like, say down the line, the zombie apocalypse rolls in, I don't want to become a zombie. That's way worse than uh, the risks you have with uh, COVID-19, which I had, which was a very minor cold. And um, so if the zombie apocalypse, uh, like as depicted in the movies, were to happen, but there's a vaccine and say there's, you know, some minor risk, but it will guarantee I do not become a zombie. That might be uh, the kind of vaccine I'd be into. Okay. Um, Has to change the value proposition, as you say. Yeah. Like there's no reason for like a 13-year-old to get it. That's yeah. absurd. The risk is just so low. Like what's the point? Yeah. Uh, to change gears. Um, so I've been putting off uh, getting a hold of my... Uh, MLA Rumple. Uh, That's your MP. Or my MP, yeah. My MLA is Josephine Pond. Uh, my MP is is. I I love Rumple. I voted for Rumple. I didn't vote for Sheer. I hated Sheer, but I I, I had to vote for Rumple. Now, I can't. I ha- I not that I ever really wanted to have any kind of conversation with her, but you've kind of convinced me that. It might be uh, fun for a laugh. No, uh, it's interesting talking to these politicians. I've been doing it like a lot uh, during this lockdown. Look, process. you've been you've inspired me. I'm gonna do it, but I have to explain to her that I can't. I I can't vote for them. Yeah, you should. Oh yeah, we were talking about how you should call them about their. Uh, see what she's. Uh, this is why it's for a laugh to see how she would defend. Aaron O'Toole's environmental carbon tax plan, yeah, which is hilarious, and we could talk about that whole thing, but it's it's rough. She did get uh, win some points with her recent FOIP act uh, that found what is it five point seven percent of the public health agency employees are actually doctors. Five point seven people making the rules not even doctors just medical professionals which is a very <laughs> broad category which appears to have uh, in some cases no medical training like yeah if you have they don't they, to include things like they don't even have cpr filing diploma oh uh medical record keeping is a thing yeah I it guess. is yeah so it that, is they have like tr- substantial training programs for stuff like that so it's a thing but like but they're That's also probably not setting what comes policy. to mind when you hear the word medical professional, which probably in most people's mind, yeah, the, rightly or wrongly, they probably think that's a doctor or something. Yeah, definitely not the public health agency. Yeah, which is and pretty weird in itself. So that that was a pretty uh, that gave her some points. I still can't vote for O'Toole. I have to have that conversation. No, the federal conservatives are horrible. They're fucking they're done. So bad, and the and the, we could talk about the whole. Uh, climate change plan which they've brought forth which is 
you know, I think it's about a month and a half old now that they introduced it. And it's just embarrassing. It makes and me think of uh, their, their own defense of it is just so embarrassing. And it's, it's like, who are the marketing wizards who came up with this stuff? Uh, if you haven't already, everybody go follow uh, Pierre Polyev on Twitter. He's a he's a beast. Yeah, he yeah. gives some uh, amusing content sometimes. I went on Carney the other day. Did you watch it? Uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting. How um, Carney? He's like you're a hipper- former Bank of Canada, former Bank of uh, England. Uh, he's some kind of UN envoy on climate change or something now. Like he's a total scumbag but anyway he was i don't even know why what was he even so testifying carney tells in uh the industry committee he opposes western canadian pipeline projects but supports his company's multi-billion dollar pipeline investment in latin america and the middle east so hang on though what what was the context for that q a thing like what committee was that like why were they talking to him the industry committee i don't know i think they were probably talking about some other shit and pierre was just like Whatever, this is stupid. By the way, you're a fucking hypocrite. Yeah, so he says, uh, <laughs> okay, so you you support like canceling pipelines in the U or in Canada. But, but you-, you invest in pipelines in Qatar and or no, sorry, where was it? Brazil and Yeah, just Latin United America. Arab Emirates, yeah. I think. Yeah. So anyway, non not Canada not is Canada. the point. And y- yeah, arguably get- some people would say in, you know, less uh, more corrupt places, or I don't know, less environmentally friendly places. Uh, um, the, worse places to have pipelines is the implication. The key word is less ethical. Less ethical, yes. So, uh, the case for ethical oil. So um, that it seems like uh, it seems like an interesting question to ask someone like Mister Carney. It's awesome because he's just like, no, it's not. It's he's like, art you're a fucking hypocrite. Like, don't you see a problem with that? And he's like, no, it's totally different. It's totally different. It's different. We need to have a balanced approach in Canada's <laughs> fossil fuels and every- have a place in the transition. And Polyev like, is such a fucking pit bull, dude. I love him. I'm he's gonna re- pretty funny sometimes, and he seems to... He gets it. He... Yeah, he's kind of okay. Like, he's... Uh... He delivers the goods. Like, we got nothing in the federal conservatives to deliver us you the goods you, for. Rental and, and this is supposed to be the opposition. Like, it should... I don't get it. It should be so easy to just be tearing Trudeau apart right now. But yeah. the the federal conservatives are so bad. And again, that climate change plan, which I was saying, oh, yeah, you should try and get uh, your your MP to see how she tries to defend it. It would be I, very awkward. I will uh, report back because I'm going to do it. I'm I'm going to do it. I, I think she's uh she's great, but I just can't do it. Uh, see, I talked to um, my guy. Um, the So your MP is? Tom guy. Tom, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. It's Polish uh, Kimik or something. Yeah. Um, anyway, I called him and like I thought his defense of the this carbon tax plan was just laughable uh and just horrible like it seemed like he didn't really buy it himself to be honest yeah and it's so bad like but but he told me exactly why they came up with it and he said um 50 of the country won't vote for conservative ever 
Um, of the remaining 50%, there's like 20% that might. And according to like our consultants, this plan pulls really well among these people and it, it'll make them look twice and see if and consider us. It's like, that's the best you've got. That's what you're trying to do to appeal to them. Why don't you offer them something totally different, like, and and crazy to grab their attention so they don't even care about the climate anymore um, and this pretense that the government can manage it? Why don't you do something like, I don't know, if you were the conservatives and you wanted to win some elections in Canada, what would you like? What would you do? Uh, anything but that their climate change plan was so dumb their own party hates it yeah western canada hates it yeah it's it's gonna be and it's smacks of hypocrisy because despite their label where they say it's not really a tax um it's a tax everyone sees it as a tax and so you gotta pull the trip i know it you know it Everybody knows you it. know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> true. But um, oh, yeah, fuck. so everyone gotta... hates it. But but so this is what they came up with. This is what they thought was a good idea. Yeah. Let's say in a Machiavellian scenario, yeah. you are advising these idiots and just political realism you want to win and you want to beat justin trudeau you're some kind of consultant for the federal conservative party i'd what's I'd, the best you've I'd, got i'd bilk them and get everybody paid i'd be like look we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna establish a new gibbs no 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 well sort of corporate gibbs Div, I, dish out some corporate gibbs i would yes i would undertake a uh project much in this much in the same way that CN Rail uh, built a uh, rail line from coast to coast. God, they can't even build a pipeline across like two provinces. No, but we will get this done. We will get an energy. Like, no, 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 not an energy. En- no, don't no, say no. energy corridor. <laughs> Do not say energy no, corridor. These electrical vehicle charging stations. No. Across the whole Trans-Canada. Dude, well, be- they're already on that track because it wasn't one of the things they said, like, even bigger. Didn't they say they want to tax, like, cottages and stuff and, like, luxury cars? Any, or- anybody who anyway, has a second so home, I don't ideas. fucking know. You got to have something better than the electric car no, charging no, station. No, it's corridor. easy. It's easy. I can kick that can down the road. I'll be dead of a heart attack. And by the time it's a fucking real problem. Uh, no, I'm gonna. That's I'm, not gonna let you win. Yeah, definitely, it's gonna let that's me win. The, that's I'm gonna. The I'm gonna same. run. I'm gonna run on banning uh, gasoline. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 gasoline vehicles. No, I know. I am going You're to. You're following the philosophy that they're failing right now, which is appealing no, to the Toronto cons- moms the- who love electric cars and uh, think climate change is gonna kill their kids. In yeah, five I'm, years. I'm looking at the Quebec. You're, You're doubling down on that. Yeah, it's. I would not have a carbon tax. That. That is a disaster. You got to have something better. I would go so hard and I will get so many votes. I know it. You know it. I would say. No, uh, you wouldn't. Absolutely. I'm going to ban gasoline production vehicles by 2035. Or 2050 or some stupid number. Like Nostradamus fucking numbers. I'm asking you how to make them win against trudeau that's in the a current scenario yeah i would uh i don't well first I of think all you're trolling that's they would obviously <laughs> lose they would obviously uh, lose 
Yeah. Because if you want that kind of shit, you just vote for Justin Trudeau. You've just got like an uglier, stupider looking, which is saying a lot because Justin Trudeau looks pretty dumb. He's pretty dumb. But if you want that kind of stuff, you're not going to vote for Aaron O'Toole. You're going to vote for Justin Trudeau. Oh, but we, uh, our focus group showed that this is a really good idea. No, what would you do <laughs> okay. if you actually? I would. I would were just gonna tell them you I should would, do this, and your chances of winning will be steal, strong. Steal literally everything Maxime Bernier did during his run, and you'll yeah, win. That, honestly, that would work. I think maybe that, not with Aaron O'Toole because he doesn't. Okay, so here's a question. I'm oh, gonna no, stump no, no. you on this. No, no, one. no, wait. Did you no, see? I'm gonna stump you. Okay. Who is more unlikable, Aaron? O'Toole or Andrew Shear? <laughs> Dude, I used to think Shear was the most unlikable. Uh, he, you remember when you would make uh, shitty science class play doh with flour and cornstarch and water, and then you would that's what, but you would put food coloring in it. That's Shear is that without the food coloring, like he's. He, he's homemade Play-Doh. Yeah, he does have a, like, yeah, he, I know what you mean. Yeah. So, but Aaron O'Toole is like. He's kind of got. He is. A, he's not. He's sh- in the same category, but it, he's made of different material. He's contemptible. Do you, Remember when the virus panic first got started last year? And he's like, we need to put Canada on war footing. I stand with Israel. And he's even worse than Trudeau on the virus panic, at least going by like his tough talk. He wanted to have the fucking emergency powers act invoked and like all this crazy stuff that, you know, trying to appeal to who knows who there's the, the worst of the, the boomer con, I would say. I have two anecdotes about O'Toole. One is the, I stand with Israel poster that he put out, which I found really interesting. It's like, Cool. Um, I don't, I didn't realize this was like a, a bold statement. You don't have to, (laughs) you don't have to cross your arms in the fucking poster. I understand what that's your final offer. Like I'm firm on this statement and my arms are crossed. Anybody can picture that I'm not budging. I stand with Israel and it's like, and like, I don't, that's, Clear. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna run for. Uh, I'm gonna run for office on a principle of I stand with our European allies. Yeah. And exactly. I'm, and it's uh, pretty the, hollow. The photo. It's like I oppose sexual assault. I think rape is wrong. I'm gonna think of murder fo- is wrong. Murder should. <laughs> murder should be a crime. Uh, <laughs> And and you're gonna take the photo from like an like under angle. I might have to get up on a stool or something, and I'll be looking down very confidently with my arms crossed, and I I stand with our allies. And the other thing that uh, I think about Aaron O'Toole, somebody put a, a infographic or like just these side by sides, and it was Bernier running a 10k or or oh yeah a 20k or something for like charity, like a like a Chad. And the others that was Aaron O'Toole and heels. 
doing the uh, oh, yeah, walk the a mile. Walk a mile. Oh God, walk a mile in her shoes. Yeah, pretty bad. They were pink. Pretty bad. They were pink. I'm not gonna lie. The guy's got calf definition. He's uh, he's got interesting fa- observation. No, it's it's true of all fat guys. They got good calves. No, I didn't know that. No, it's well, just, he's definitely he's, um, he's bloated. Yeah, he is so awful. Like, it's almost like uh, he's just another chosen loser. And, like, they have to... Maybe somebody's just trying to destroy him. And they've they've been like, yeah, use this plan. It'll work. (laughs) And it's just a way to get rid of him. Like, they don't... They want to make sure he can't even win by accident. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Andrew Shear couldn't beat Trudeau. Yeah. Which... I mean, Trudeau is kind of popular, obviously, among certain people. They do uh, quite enjoy him, I guess. But it still should have been easy to beat him, I think. Um, Comparatively, I'm going to have to, like, so I have to say, yeah, Tool, Aaron O'Toole is more unlikable than Shear. Yeah, I think so, too. And that's an amazing thing to say because that's Andrew Shear was the one of the least likable politicians I've ever seen. Canada has oh, oh, no, no. horribly unlikable politicians. And I say that as somebody who assumes every politician is scum by default and they're the worst people in the world. But in terms of like, you know, the likability factor, some yeah. are more detestable than others, like we've, on kind of a shallow level. Yeah. Um, we've had that conversation that the, uh, I think I called it the, uh, yeah, the uh, dictator's beard but test. But Trudeau is kind of interesting in that way because he's kind of young and uh, um, I th- I think he looks like he kind of has fetal alcohol syndrome, but some people think he's like handsome or it's whatever. the eyebrows. And um, I mean, whatever. he uh, He's kind of like, I'm afraid, kind of the new kind of politicians that it's going to be more common going forward, like the uh, the younger. I think. You know what it kind of, it makes me think of the royal family because they're always taking photos of them and they're always talking about what they're up to and the stuff that they like and the things that they do, like their pets. Yeah, well, there's kind of this weird celebrity aspect and the old joke is always that uh, Hollywood is, or no, politics is like Hollywood for ugly people or something. Yeah. Do you think that some people are in a parasocial relationship with just Trudeau? Oh, yeah, for sure. Some people get like really into their politicians, yeah. especially with this kind of social media aspect to them where you can like, you have increased opportunities to interact with them and feel like, oh, you've got a connection and you matter to the cause. And You've replied to my tweet. He liked my comment. Yeah. Um, he retweeted me. <laughs> I'm going. I I think. Uh, I I don't think. I I would like to propose that all politicians be banned from Twitter and Facebook. What do you think? I think that would be hilarious. Yeah, let's do it. I think. I think. Uh, I would uh, bring. We should, we should put aside all of our principles of political um, philosophy and. Uh, possibly just uh make twitter illegal in general it's gonna kill us dude it it's pretty horrible it's sometimes hard to gauge exactly how much influence it has in the world but it's too much (laughs) the worst worst part is it's what like 10 percent 
North America have have Twitter accounts. Yeah, and like one percent of that many people actually ever use it more yeah. than like once a month or something. Yeah, and I think the last time we talked about that, I I said it's it brings out the despot in me, and I was just like, we got to get rid of it. It's gonna fucking kill us all, dude. We're not ready. And uh, I I just like, I just want to get rid of it there for has politicians. To come a point where people like stop looking to it for to as some kind of representation of what people think because it's horrible people on there for the most part yeah um yeah i don't think uh that's a very good uh service no it's gotta go and like it is a disease do you think do you think the internet is too dangerous for mankind to handle (laughs) no not at all i think it's uh I think it's too dangerous for normies to handle. It, I thought it was funny when um, um, there was kind of this weird point where uh, like grandmas and grandpas and stuff like started getting on Facebook somehow. Yeah. And and you <laughs> you'd like you'd go into like these news stories or whatever and look at these comments and people. <laughs> I mean, people are saying horrible things to each other. And then you like click on the person to see their profile. And it's like these like 70 year olds and stuff. CBC CBC articles are the Reddit for people (laughs) over 50. They talk mad shit in those comments. They say say horrible things to each other. Uh, yeah, I love it. I, I, anybody over uh, 50 or 60 that can shit talk in a fucking public forum, I'm, I'm all about it. Um, but I, I, I find those... I think that news article comment sections are the true lifeblood of internet like, like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite thing to read. Like, no, the fuck comment everything. sections can be like quite good, and uh, it's interesting getting like I don't know, getting that slice of humanity. Yeah, and, like a glimpse into their thoughts. Now remember, and sometimes when... the arguments, like watching two idiots argue with each other, is um, a surreal experience. <laughs> you you should post on Facebook. Yeah, I'm a bit of a troll. And so, do people come in and defend someone you're shitting on? Um, usually what I do as far as, like, a news story or, like, a politician post or something, I'll just, I'll just put kind of, like, a brief, uh, spicy comment in and then just laugh as people kind of reply and then you kind of let them take over. So, yeah, some people do come in to defend like say I say I make a comment on a Justin Trudeau post. Yeah. Um, Do you just say triple blackface? Uh, I'll either make a prime <laughs> minister. I'll either post make a photo a, of him in blackface. Oh no! On Justin Trudeau's, you can't post pictures. Some politicians <laughs> haven't turned that off though, so it, it just depends. <laughs> Same thing with some like news sites; they haven't turned off pictures for their comments either. Like CBC Calgary hasn't figured it out. <laughs> The, uh, so um, I always uh, for Justin Trudeau trolling comments. I always either make a Prime Minister triple blackface comment, but the more common one is just to say um, this message is approved by uh, We Charity 
SNC Lavalin, and then I'll throw in a third one, which is either Aga Khan, um, <laughs> Chinese billionaires, uh, General Vance, or yeah, um, just throw something in there for the third one. But the first two are always We Charity and SNC Lavalin. So this message is approved by We Charity, SNC Lavalin, and the Aga Khan. And then I just laugh at the responses because uh, basically, like sixty-year-olds start arguing <laughs> underneath. <laughs> Oh, he uh he got his hand slapped by uh, an Asian woman in public. Who Justin Trudeau? Yeah, because uh, is he getting handsy again? <laughs> like with that reporter? No, uh, I she may who have, understood things differently. She experienced it differently. She experienced it differently. I yeah. So um he uh somebody was like, hey, uh, what's the deal with the fact that we had a a uh, high like a high level biohazard lab in Saskatchewan, and the reports of two of the lead scientists trying to leave Canada with oh, yeah, fucking we, samples. It was in Manitoba. Manitoba, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know much about it, but maybe it'll be me, a fun scandal. Me neither. Anyway, so they bring that up, and he goes, he basically just says like, "Oh, we're we're doing." Uh, they're like, "Oh yeah, your security experts said uh, blah 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 blah," and he's like, "We're working with our security experts." Yeah, I was like. Uh, no, you're not. They're the ones that called for this review. Um, Didn't and he say they, nope. it was racist? Yes, he stood up and he said, "You basically hashtag stop Asian hate and, <laughs> and like and and uh, a, a wonderful lady. I, I forget exactly where she's from. Um, she was apparently she was born in Toronto. She lives in BC now. She basically said like, uh, you're you're fucking this up for everybody. Like you can't." You can't hide behind my skirt, you motherfucker. And uh, I don't know. I I guess he didn't respond or there was no response to it. I only saw her statement. Uh, I mean, good for her. Um, but like, because he gets away with that shit so much. And he's just like, like, hey, uh, Trudeau, uh, what's up with this? And he goes like, we're, look, we're doing everything we can that, that we're supposed to. We're working with our partners. We're doing all this stuff. Uh, we're the best. We spent all this money. By the way, it's great. Uh, Ken is awesome, and we're doing a great job. And then somebody goes, ah, that's not the case. And he goes, uh, great job. We're doing a great job working with our partners. I yeah. love question period. Oh, Speaking dude, of he's question so period. fucking amazing. But then he fucked up, and he basically said, hashtag stop Asian hate, and he got smoked for it. Speaking of question period. Uh, back to Alberta for a moment. Yeah. Um, like question period is still kind of dumb, but I think it's interesting in the legislature now how the UCP is between the NDP and these two guys they got that got kicked out, the two rural MLAs. Yeah. Um, and I think it's I think it's going to be good for the province to have some heat coming from the right. What do you think? Well, have they said exactly what they're going to be doing? Like, are they going with a different uh, party? Are they going to run independent? Are they going to do, like, what are they going to do? They join the Maverick Party? Well, there's Maverick Party is a federal thing. Um, so at the provincial level. Oh, Wild Rose, whatever. Yeah, they've got Wild Rose Independence Party of Alberta or whatever it's called. Uh -huh. uh, I, I keep getting the name mixed up. Um, but, uh, so there's that, I, I have a feeling there's a good chance they could end up going with that. 
but they could probably also go independent. It seems like they're popular enough to do it. And uh, I think technically, like you're elected under the UCP banner. So when you're kicked out of the caucus, um, I forget, are you, I think you're still in the party, but you're not in the caucus. Um, so the distinction is that like, you know, you don't get to, you can't sit in on our meetings. No, the caucus itself is like the, the broader group. It's not really the government. If you think about it, like the cabinet is the government along with the senior bureaucracy. Uh huh. But they're all the way out, basically. So I think technically they are still UCP members or seats, but they're not part of the ruling party, if that makes sense. Like yeah. the ruling group. So, um, yeah, like the the theory there was Kenny was always in danger from from his flank. And... Uh, yeah, and he was being criticized from within. Yeah. And that and makes you look bad. So I I hope some some more people um like they'll they'll sign this thing, but they won't give up their position. They don't I think anybody who's signed that fucking letter that watched uh these guys get kicked out and doesn't do something about it. Um, is, is like, they're missing an opportunity. Maybe. I mean, it's a judgment call. Like you got to be kind of cynical, of course, but, um, there's the argument to be made that, you know, some of them would say, oh, well, I think I can do more staying within than if I yeah. get booted out. Same old shit. You know, maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. It really depends on the circumstances. Well, were you going to sign more fucking letters? You cuck. The letters was the be- the letter was the beginning of the end. Like signing the letter was a fucking like mortal wound to they're, Kenny possibly. They're entitled to their opinions. They ain't going to do shit. Kenny's just going to big dick them. Because they're not going like, to do I shit. I keep hearing this. I can't. Like, you guys are so wrong about <laughs> how <laughs> crippling it is for a quarter of your party, a quarter of your elected legislators, to put out a letter saying you suck. Yeah. Well, only one person actually called for his resignation. We don't know how many people call for a leadership review uh, that were part of the caucus. We only we only know that there was a, a letter going around the uh, UCP membership. No, well, they've got, I think it's eight or nine or ten or something constituency associations who have done it. And they need like, I don't know, 18 or 20 or something to actually trigger the earlier one. So they're going to have their leadership review next year, uh-huh. um, which is kind of like Kenny's trick. Uh, like, yeah, I'll give you a leadership review at the worst imaginable moment. Ha, 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 ha. I'm so <laughs> clever. But no, like, um, I mean, I, I'm super cynical. And I think basically all these people are pretty bad. But realistically, like in the context um, of, you know, just 
kind of spineless people in general without many principles, that letter was the beginning of the end. And I think it started kind of a chain reaction, which was very favorable in the end, if you judge it by the outcome we've got now, where two people got kicked out. It's like when you have a fight with your wife or something, or you have to deal with some problem at work. Like sometimes you have to have the blow up and the end result is kind of better afterwards. And I think Alberta's in better shape having those guys kicked out of the um, caucus because now they can bring some heat again from the right side. Whereas uh, UCP campaigned to the right and they've been uh, governing to the left and basically it really feels like you've got Jason Kenny um, pandering to the left and not pandering to his team, so to speak. So now, um, just like Aaron O'Toole, it's not like his political future is desperately in jeopardy here. Remember, the the prevailing theory seems to be he's trying to get himself set up to go for prime minister, um, and that is not going to happen if he gets booted out of Alberta after one term where he loses to Rachel Notley. Yeah. Like he, he'd be done. And he, I, I think that kind of puts a lot of things together where his desperation to be prime minister, he's seeing his political dreams slip through his fingers and he wants, um, he's trying to salvage it here. Um, but you know, he couldn't keep taking some criticism. He had to kind of do something, I guess, make some power move and be like, I'm Kenny listen to me but again like now he one of the reasons he hadn't kicked them out for so long and the reason why he hadn't kicked out some people in previous incidents before is because he's far more worried about um, criticism and opposition from the right than he is from the left because again that NDP brand is so damaged and he'd have to screw up so bad to lose it like it's basically handed to him on a silver platter and he's blowing it right now so basically, um, in terms of saving his political future and kind of in coordination with that, improving the Alberta situation, which just realistically politicians' fortunes are kind of tied to the general feelings in the population uh, that they're presiding over. The I'm not sure. Like, I kind of get what you're like. You're you're circling around the the same point but like i don't i don't think there's enough uh organized uh dissent against kenny on the right um in, in like it's, there's just not enough Barnes was already talking shit do you think because Dude, he's no longer part these... of the caucus people are going to take him more seriously yeah. Do you think people are going to listen to him more? And they're like, oh, that's the guy who's got sour fucking grapes now? Because that's all they know. Um, uh, aren't you guy, the yeah, guy that no, they, they fucking kicked out? Like, are you sure? I don't understand why people put aside all the general rules that we totally know how they work for this particular situation. Just look at, look at the way the federal NDP drags. The federal NDP is never going to form the government in unless there's a dramatic change. And yet they still wield influence because they drag 
the more centrist liberal party farther left the same way in Alberta thinking about it reasonably uh, a small faction on the right should be able to drag the center party more to the right because if that's not there all you've got is the left-wing opposition so you're going to only be pulled the other way but these guys are out of the caucus not out of the party the party still has the same platform do they not so your point would be valid if uh, they join the wild rose they don't even need to what they're doing right now puts a huge amount of pressure on it because again it's not within the party it's a danger to their election uh potential in the future by having people that are already basically booted out like they're not gonna run for the ucp okay again. I, I see what you're saying okay i think they i think they i i'd like to know their intentions are they going to run? If they're not going to run for UCP, are they going to run independent? And if they are, are they going to win? Uh, I think there's a good chance that they would win. But it, it depends. Like, some things can happen. But I I think the best thing that could happen... Well, not the best thing, but a really favorable thing that could happen would be to have two um, rural right independents, especially if they had, like, some... Uh, well, anyway, two independents or just anything to the right of the UCP, even if it's only a few seats. Yeah, Whatever form that's that fine. takes, I think that's very good. And I'm actually, uh, I think this is a good situation, relatively speaking, with these two kicked out. Not because they lose influence, but because they it actually increases pressure on the right side for uh, this government. So we get more pressure on... Some of the fair deal stuff, uh, lockdown stuff, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't think these guys are all the, that great on all the issues, but it at least um, puts it on the table. I think it's good. I think that makes a huge difference in their behavior. And I think we're seeing it now with this major turnaround, this uh, about face where Jason Kinney's been scolding everyone. Um, saying how bad everyone is, how horrible the illegal rodeo was, uh, saying a few more weeks, uh, we're at the red zone, blah, blah, blah. Now it's now it's like a total change of tune, and I don't think any of this stuff is coincidental. I disagree. It's not because of that. It's because this is what abusers do to their victims. Mm, no, I, I think come in home. This case, look, I mean, oh, there is an aspect. Of I come that home I and just beat the shit out of my wife, and then as she's laying there sobbing, a broken woman, I go, "Oops, a daisy, sweetheart. Let's get you up and get you a steak to put on that fucking shiner." No, I think you're underestimating uh, the political reality here for someone again who obviously wants to be prime minister someday. <sighs> I obviously <laughs> like i just don't understand like what other interpretation makes more sense well i i think in, never attribute to malice he's just an idiot how about well, that well, he's not a total 
idiot in the sense of like are you sure political i'm really not sure i think he's definitely miscalculated um the you think the it, ability of albertans to cheer for their own team regardless of how terrible it is dude there were comments uh, okay again a year ago he it's was not, 80 percent I'm really positive. disappointed in all these people He's decided like to go outside and ride around on horses. Yeah, he was very disappointed. I'm very disappointed. And do you and and do you think uh you guys are fucking it up? Like do you think all this western standard reporting's been favorable to him? Like I want a new the, base. Um dude, uh, West, we specifically targeted uh the churches. Uh <laughs> we Yeah, so you think that guy's you think that is a calculated man? Like, even- yeah, I think it was all calculated. I think I think <sighs> they made a mistake politically, but I think they thought they like that's how it had to be. Now, of course, I think when he was on the defensive, like there was moments in the last few months where he was like definitely off his game, and it looked like he was just falling apart and seething. And one moment he's like raging, another moment he's like. Bah, 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 bah. And uh, it was pretty great. Uh, So now what's happened with that is I think they see the way public sentiment is clearly different than what they thought they were reading. And three weeks ago? Come on now. Yeah, yeah, I thought. Come on now. Yeah, for sure. Because what they were doing is they were taking public sentiment and they were focused on the wrong part. And in doing so, they neglected the part that they needed. So what's happened is they're now pivoting to in, in the, past, the other side. This has been in the past four days. Well, the MLAs were only kicked out a couple weeks ago. Mm. And so the you- change in messaging is undeniable absolutely undeniable so you have to wonder well why has it changed so much i think it's incredibly naive of us to think that the major damaged coalition within the ucp and the dissidents and the criticism and having like people in your own party put themselves at risk and like yeah the leader has to step down um, that's, I would, you agree. can either double down or whatever. And I think they're just making a calculated move that, holy shit, what we've been doing has been a huge mistake. Let's do it this way instead. I don't know. I, I think your theory would hold up if, uh, I might give it more credence if Barnes hadn't caught friendly fire on that one. Cause he wasn't the one who wrote the fucking letter. No, but it was a convenient way to get rid of him at the same time. Oh. Don't I, you think? Because uh, he's entitled they to keep his asking, opinion. Like, are you going to kick Barnes? Like, <laughs> they've been asking for months. He's like, no, no. Uh, we, he's entitled we to want his opinion. To s- share their opinion, and I need you to hold me accountable, Barnes. And some of the leaks from the caucus meetings have been pretty hilarious. Like, uh, uh, like when he said, "Oh, oh I guess you." Oh, Kenny says, um, I love well, your if you don't support me, I guess I'll just have to call an election. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean like, like, uh, Trudeau did? Oh, you want to make that a vote of confidence, big guy? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. 
Dude, talking about put your nuts on the table. But uh, yeah, uh, I you think I did what now? Uh, you want to make that non function? You want to make that a vote of confidence? Tough guy. So I th- I think this is a bit of a gamble for Kenny. We'll see. Um, and he's hoping it pays off, and he's using the stampede as like a big symbolic uh, aspect of his victory, of course. And you know he's back to best summer ever messaging like. Or the whole best summer thing. Like, I I don't know who comes up with these, like, slogans and stuff. But when they're like, just a few more weeks and we're going to have the best summer ever. Uh, that was funny because it lasted, like, it felt like days. But it was maybe a week or two. And then it was back to, like, uh, an oh, like, maybe you'll get a summer at all. Yeah. And then people are saying, so there's not going to be a best summer, is there? And, is there? and he's like, well, well, what I really meant is that you'll have a chance to hug grandma again. And that will make it feel like the best summer ever. And it's like, what? Yeah. But I, I don't know. It's been quite amusing to watch. And uh, he's he's hitching everything now to this change in direction, which is, um, you know, could be better, of course, as far as my supreme anti-lockdown perspective goes. Now, I think the most interesting thing that would happen in the next election would be a, f- uh, a few seats picked up in whatever sense, like uh, in the rural. Um, NDP gains some seats, urban mostly. Uh, UCP loses some seats. And I think it would be very interesting if you had a sort of situation like what you have in BC right now, where it's like a slim minority UCP and then uh, you have maybe a few deciding votes um, on the right wing side, uh, you know, if those are independents or Wild Rose or whatever. Uh, I think that would be kind of interesting. Like, I'm I'm really curious to see what happens. And of course, there's t- like two years to go, but uh, it's going to be interesting. If it was me and I was Wild Rose, I'd uh, just put Drew Barnes in front of a camera looking directly into it and say do you remember do you remember last may the may of 2021 <laughs> let's punish kenny this message brought you just you by have to run a montage of like armies of rcmp fencing up the church uh the polish pastor on his knees on like the busy thoroughfare getting like arrested like, by the yeah, cops getting pulled out like um, a fucking like a cat like the, a steer the third pastor like hugging his wife and kids before they cuff him <sighs> and take him off dude i might just make this commercial it's it, it the commercial writes itself be like never what i've been saying uh i make fun of slogans but i think an important slogan for this virus stuff is like never forget what they've done and I will never forget. I, I love the, uh, well, there's a, uh, there's some propaganda phrases that uh, never forget what they took from you. Yeah, exactly. They, they, we've never seen anything like this. They owe us big time. And like, if only restitution were possible. So do you want to give me but, two to, you want to give me two to one on that one? Um, I I will take some bet, but I I need to formulate kind of what I think will happen. Like it's very weird and in flux. And like we, we know. Don't get me wrong. I think Kenny's in a lot of trouble, but I 
And I think it's very slim chance that he can survive the leadership review next year. Because I think the Albertans will, um, despite his attempt to change course, the damage is so severe. I think there's a very good chance that he fails to get enough of a um, support in a leadership review. Like the Ralph Klein thing where he basically dropped out because he only got 55%. Uh, what did Redford get like? 10% or whatever when she uh, resigned she, on the spot. Yeah, she uh <laughs> I I think it was a record low of something like 8 10 to 18% something like I that. Was, yeah, it was pretty low. It might have been in the teens or something. I don't remember, yeah. but um yeah, if he I'm, got something really bad, he would he would have to step down. Um but I think it it's remotely possible that if you and I'm and I could be wrong, but I think it's remotely possible that you could um, pull it together and keep like do another term if it, you appease the right sufficiently. Okay. Where I think you were wrong before is you're saying he has a better chance to pander more to the left, but that I think is w way off base just because that's what's destroying him now and it hasn't done him any good yet. Why would it turn around at any point? I don't know, uh, because uh, uh, people will be so happy to uh, glimpse um, their, like, you get to hug your grandma this summer and you can do it safely because I made, the hard I made the hard decisions to protect you. A lot of people are going to get over it. And uh, uh, one of the MLAs I talked to said, uh, you know, they're hoping like in the end, they're going to people are going to kind of look back and be like, oh, yeah, they had to make these tough decisions and it's unfortunate, but like we're out of it. And like, I don't think there will be that much forgiveness. And um, I think that. Okay, I think that it's more likely people are going to get more and more mad when they realize the damage that's been done. And the more this lockdown narrative collapses, the way everything is falling apart from social distancing to sanitizing everything 500 times an hour to, Who do you to think? masks to natural immunity, all these things are falling apart. And I think people are going to be more and more pissed. There's going to be less likeliness for forgiveness. Uh, yeah, from the right. From the right, but yeah. again, yeah. chances as bleak as that looks, given what's happened so uh -huh. far, that's still a much better chance than pandering to Rachel Notley voters because, huh? um, like, for example, like I said, I would vote for Kenny if he's like, screw it, we're cutting income tax to 0%. Now, that's not going to happen, but some people aren't as, I mean, most people aren't as extreme as I am. They're going to have different triggers that are easier to hit like it could be as simple as um um you know s something stupid that people like like uh uh yeah i can't even think of anything offhand like what do people like nowadays um <laughs> like if he gets if he gets like say oil prices are just cranking say he uh say tmx uh gets pumping by like uh, early 2023 or something say um you know say certain conditions start piling up eventually you know there could be a point where enough people can keep him going but it seems pretty slim right now 
regardless of what his ultimate fate is, I think it's going to be a slight improvement for him now that uh, he can claim like, yeah, we're going to be the fastest to reopen and like, oh, we did a good job. And uh, yeah, he's three you months. Know, pe- people three months too are desperate to get back to sanity. I still think that the right is less forgiving than the left. They I are, think so. They are more empathetic. So the left is more empathetic and more likely, like, uh, if I hadn't heard Notley's comment, I would give you fucking two to one. Well, I think she's going to be making more comments. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe she got her hands like laughing. if she loses this, she's doing- she needs this. Do you remember when the justice minister had to apologize because he put out some Facebook post and he was probably correct, but he said, oh, the media and the NDP would love nothing more than for our hospital system to collapse. Whoa, no, no, I never and, heard that. And then he had to apologize like, oh, I don't really... Sounds uh, like think they wish that, but I think they probably do in a sense that like, yeah, okay, maybe they don't want people to die, but they would love the political advantage of being like, look what they did to the hospital system because they mismanaged the virus situation so yeah. much. Yeah. Like, obviously. When someone else fucks up, it's to my benefit. Yeah, everybody knows that, but like. It's, it's like when, um, it's. It's like when Trump was running against Hillary and people were like, uh, like, oh, if there's a terrorist attack, it helps Trump. It's like, remember when there was that nightclub attack and they're like, oh, uh, this is good for Trump. Like, you know, there's, there's yeah. a political reality behind like bad events that help some people. I believe it's called and, real politic. You know, say a million people die of the virus and it's like, oh, well, on the bright side, we'll probably win the next election. <laughs> on the bright side, we're polling, we're polling up Our five. Our polls are up. Yeah, all, all your, uh, uh, all the, all the rednecks you hate so much are all fucking dead. So there's nobody left but, uh, unionized workers in, uh, Edmonton and government. Like, so Notley's got them locked up, but she's, um. I, I don't know. I think the lockdown hysteria is going to be hard to sustain um, going into the summer when, Disagree. I mean, yeah. the, the sun, the, I, you I know, think the UV index is just going to kill the virus. It's going to like, the numbers are going to go down. They're going to say, Oh, our lockdowns worked. And then uh, Notley's going to be like, um, um, the cases are going up or it's, it's not safe. Fourth wave. Even though you've all got your the, shots. What about the fourth wave? What about the fourth wave? They're already calling fourth wave. What article did I send you? Fourth wave? I don't know. I've read a bunch of them. So I'm it, seems, it seems. They're positive. so desperate. They're so desperate. But. Oh, yeah. No, I saw in Ontario. They were warning of a fourth wave if they open too quickly. Yeah. Oh, no, no. In Calgary. It, CBC had an article where they're like, uh, what'd they say? Um. He said, doctors are concerned the reopening plan is too fast. Yeah. So doctors, I'm going to give you two guesses as to how many doctors they're actually talking about. Four. Two. The article talks to two doctors. (laughs) So a headline like doctors makes it sound like 
uh, a coalition. Wow. Like, is that most doctors? Is that like um, a certain medical association of some kind? Is that uh, like, I don't know, uh, a, a, an open letter signed by 30 doctors or something? No, it's the bare minimum to be the plural of doctors. <laughs> okay. Two. Two. <laughs> two doctors. We, we managed to find two idiots who agree. So, depending on how things go, um, this either... So, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to start putting these on on podcast platforms. Mm. I'm going to try. I'm going to try and see how it goes. Because even the production videos that we make, um, uh, even when we, we talk about charts or something like that, usually the numbers are kind of reviewed. So what what about uh are you allowed to talk about vaccines? I I don't know. I didn't I did not advocate for anything. <laughs> are you allowed to use the word? Yeah, I think so. Does um, it trip like a manual review? I okay, so I, I might cut this section, I might not, but the 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 thing that spurred this on was a little bit of spike cuz there's this very famous well, infamous, like this this woman we fucking hate, and she is one of the co-signators on the COVID-0 proposal sent to Kenny's office. Dear God. She uh, started this podcast, and uh, I can't, I try so hard to get through like five, ten minutes. and Just like a hate listen? Oh, it's fucking rough, dude. It's and what, hard. is it on podcast platforms? Yes. And uh, I was like, man, I'm fucking up because this, if I'm not at least putting in the effort to reach people and putting the same level of effort into reaching people as I am in what I'm saying or how I'm saying it, like what I'm producing, um, then I'm I'm doing a disservice to myself. Yeah, let's do it. So I'm gonna do that, and then, uh, so then next, so I've already started working on, <laughs> and then, because uh, normally you do all the uh, script writing, uh, it's, and I spend fucking weeks getting footage together and proper takes to to actually produce the videos but so i'm going to take a, a a crack at doing one uh called the death of the conservative party of alberta uh because jason kenny is going to lose the next election and i'd prefer to uh just get out ahead of this one so i'm going to make one of those i'm going to see how that goes uh, I'm really interested in the guy that you mentioned that uh, might be doing clips because uh, the. I think it's a good idea. Well, yeah, it's good for uh, somebody who doesn't actually say the things. I'd be like, well, I think what I said over here was pretty fucking prescient. I think I'm a genius. Uh, I think this was funny. And they're like, no one thinks that's funny. It's like, well, I laughed. So uh, somebody with uh, third party. Yeah, somebody with taste. Unbiased observer. Someone with taste. He's uh, a British guy. Oh, he's definitely got this. <laughs> All right. Well, it sounds like we've got good stuff on the way. We'll try. Um, I, uh, hopefully, we can get through this summer. Oh, it's going to be epic. We're going to do more of these. And we are going to change the world. Uh, I, would, I would like to... I would like someone 
to listen to this and get out of the UCP and join literally any other party. <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of people who share uh, some of our perspectives. Yeah. And hopefully some people enjoy it someday. Yeah. And if not, oh well. Yeah, the, the other thing that's rough about this is uh, we don't, uh, because we have, we go too long without doing one. Uh, there's just too much shit that happens. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like this time we had a lot to talk about. Even, and then they end up being two hours, and somebody's like, "I don't have fucking time for that." No, it's life. Yeah. So, if we can stick to a steady schedule, it might work. Did we just watch? Did you just see that CDC commercial? Mask no. up, America. No. Oh, beautiful. Pretty dreadful. Meanwhile, only fifty percent of this, the fucking employees are gonna get the shot. They know. All right. Peace out. Peace.